Well, it's good to return to our theme for Advent, the characters of Christmas. And this morning we're looking at the life of Joseph and seeing the part that he played in God's unfolding plan of redemption. So our Bible reading for this morning is Matthew chapter 1, and we read from verse 18 to verse 25. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Luke, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Let's pray together. Our Father God, we thank you for this wonderful story, part of the Christmas event, the message of your love and grace in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for Joseph, and as we turn to think about him, we pray that you would speak into our hearts and minds your living truth, that we might be the kind of people who, like Joseph, are people that you can use for your purposes. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the last character that we were thinking about was Mary, and she has a very unique role in the Christmas story, but we often tend to neglect the counterpart person in the story, Joseph. We don't spend too much time thinking about him and the role that he played in God's plan and purposes, but he is a remarkable example for us of the kind of person that God can use to further his purposes in the world. So we're going to focus in on Joseph this morning. I heard the story of a primary school class that was going to reenact the Christmas nativity story as their contribution to the school's celebration of the Christmas event. And the evening came for this to take place and uh, everyone was gathered, mums and dads and grannies and grandpas. 
In one of the class that was putting on a particular part of the nativity, there was a little boy who had desperately wanted to play the role of Joseph. But when the teacher was handing out the parts, Joseph was the role that was given to his biggest rival in the class, and he was really quite put out by this. So while they were rehearsing, he was busy thinking, how could he get one up on this rival and uh, get the better, the better of him? So the evening came, everyone was gathered, and the nativity began. Mary and Joseph walked across the stage in the assembly hall, and Joseph knocked at the door uh, of the, of the uh, inn to see if he could get a room. What do you want? The boy asked gruffly. And uh, Joseph answered, we'd like to have a room for the night. Suddenly, going completely off script, the, the, the boy playing the innkeeper threw open the door and said, come in, come in, I'll give you the best room in the house. The wee boy playing Joseph didn't know quite what to, to do and was a bit flummoxed for a minute, but then uh, immediately he thought and uh, he brushed past the innkeeper and he looked to, to his left and he looked to his right and then he turned around and said to the innkeeper, no wife of mine's going to stay in a dump like this. Come on, Mary, let's go to the barn. And so once again, the nativity story was on track. Now, there were lots of moments when God's careful plan for the birth of his one and only son could easily have been derailed. And it actually could have been Joseph who might have derailed what God was planning and purposing. Joseph cared very deeply for Mary, and that's why when he was confronted with her unexpected pregnancy, he, he had uh, an incredible dilemma. He could easily have made the wrong decision and made the wrong kind of response and become an obstacle to God fulfilling his plan and purpose. But God had chosen his man well. And as we see, instead of getting in the way of God's purposes, Joseph became a man God could use so that he could fulfill his divine intention. And this morning, as we think about Joseph, God challenges each, each one of us. Are we the kind of people that God can use in all that he intends to accomplish? Or are we the sort of folks who get in the way of God's plan and purpose and become a hindrance and an obstacle? What the Bible has to say about Joseph is distinctly sketchy. In Matthew 13, 55, it tells us that he was a carpenter. The Greek word actually means a construction worker. So we know that Joseph was a man who was used to working with his hands. He had that trade of working with wood and stone. And as Jesus grew up in that home in Nazareth, he became an apprentice to his father, and he learned from his father the same skills of working with his hands, working in wood and stone. But the Bible doesn't tell us very much more about Joseph. 
apart from in this passage that we read together in Matthew chapter 1. And there, the Scripture tells us that Joseph was a man whose life was righteous. In the New Living Translation, he's described as a just man. The NIV translates the same word, a righteous man. So what does that imply? Well, first of all, to be righteous before God implies holiness. Well, you wouldn't expect God to choose an irreligious man to be a key player in his plan of redemption. You'd expect him to make an appropriate choice of someone with outstanding spiritual qualities. After all, this man would be entrusted with the earthly care of God's one and only Son. He would be responsible for creating a stable home environment with love and trust, in which Jesus and his other siblings in that family would be raised. Joseph would make a significant input into Jesus' spiritual, moral, and practical upbringing. So when God looked for a man to whom he could entrust his one and only son, he was looking for someone who could be a good earthly role model, someone who would be godly, someone who would be holy. And that's the kind of man that Joseph was. He was a man of faith. And he had a living relationship with God. A man whose life was characterized by holiness and godliness, says he was righteous. He fulfilled the command of Leviticus 11 and 44. You must consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy, says the Lord. So to be righteous before God implies holiness. That's the kind of person Joseph was. And to be righteous before man implies good character. The prophet Micah tells us exactly what God requires of every one of us in Micah 6 and verse 8. The Lord has already told you what is good, and this is what he requires, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, all of those qualities we discover are found in Joseph's life. He was a just man. He did what was right. As a just man and a godly man, he could not overlook sin. But we also discover that he was a merciful man. He could have desired revenge. He could have completely destroyed Mary's life when she revealed to him that she was pregnant. But in Matthew 1.19, we're told, Joseph, her fiancé, being a just man, decided to break the engagement quietly so as not to disgrace her publicly. So justice was tempered by mercy. And we also discover that he walked with humility before God. He did not allow personal pride or personal considerations to get in the way of God's purpose. When he discovered what God was doing, it 
did not matter to him what anyone else in the community would think of him. He decided to say yes to God's plans. So to be righteous before God implies holiness. To be righteous before man implies good character, and that Joseph had in spades. And to be righteous before Mary implies moral purity. Now Joseph observed all the moral proprieties in his relationship with Mary. According to the custom of those days, their marriage would have been an arranged marriage. Most likely, Joseph would only have been a couple of years older than Mary. And Mary, as we said when we were thinking about her, uh, could have been as young as a girl of 16. But when Mary tells Joseph she's expecting a child, Joseph knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that the child is not his. Although they were engaged, their relationship had developed in an atmosphere of moral purity. Premarital sexual relationships were not acceptable because they broke God's law. And Joseph's love and regard for Mary meant that he honored her as their relationship developed towards marriage. In fact, even after they were married and after uh, he took Mary before the baby was born, Matthew 1.25 tells us he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. God was at work in Mary's life in a unique and and special way, and Joseph was honoring God and honoring Mary in the way that he responded to this. So as we think about Joseph being a righteous man, living a life characterized by holiness, justice, mercy, humility, moral purity, would that describe our lives this morning? If we want to be the kind of people that God can use, the kind of men, the kind of women that God can use in his unfolding purposes, then that's how we must be. We must be like Joseph. We must be people whose lives are righteous, godly, and holy. Secondly, as the story unfolds in Matthew 1, we discover that Joseph was a man whose hopes were dashed. I imagine Joseph must have felt life was falling apart and his future was unraveling when Mary told him she was pregnant. I feel sure that Mary tried to explain to him what had happened and what the angel Gabriel had told her. But how would you have reacted if you were Joseph? You can't blame Joseph for being skeptical and not believing her story. Joseph must have been left an emotional wreck by this news. The home he'd been building, the future he'd been planning, the love that he felt for Mary, it had all been shattered in that brief and shocking moment when he was told she was pregnant. And what would you have done had you been Moses? Uh, had you been Joseph? Most of us would have wanted to have some kind of 
revenge, a kind of getting back at the person who had so betrayed our trust. We'd have wanted them to experience something of the pain and the hurt that we were feeling. In his book, When God Whispers Your Name, Max Lucado said, When we are mistreated, our animalistic response is to go on the hunt. Instinctively, we double up our fists. Getting even is only natural, which, incidentally, is precisely the problem. Revenge is natural, not spiritual. Getting even is the rule of the jungle. Giving grace is the rule of the kingdom. Let me just repeat that because it's absolutely amazing, that statement. Getting even is the rule of the jungle. Giving grace is the rule of the kingdom. And what we learn about Joseph in his response to this situation was that he did not want to seek revenge. He wanted to exercise grace. Verse 19, because he was a righteous man and did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Well, he could have insisted on other punishments. The most extreme in Deuteronomy 22.20 was that of death by stoning. Or he could have taken her to the court and he could have charged her with adultery and ruined her reputation publicly. But Joseph chose a course of action that would cause Mary the least shame and the least pain, the least disgrace, just a quiet divorce. Why? Because I think in spite of all the pain and hurt, Joseph still loved Mary and wanted to protect her. Now, when you and I feel that we've been mistreated, when others have let us down, when we've been disappointed or hurt, do thoughts of revenge, do thoughts of evening up the score fill our hearts and minds? Do we want to get our pound of flesh out of every situation? If we want to be men or women that God can use in his great purpose, we must be channels of grace and forgiveness. There's no alternative. That's how we are expected to be by our Heavenly Father. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 14, If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So Joseph was a man whose life was righteous. He was a man whose hopes had been dashed. But thirdly and finally, he was a man whose trust and obedience was proved. As Joseph slept on his initial reaction, we're told, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and told him, do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary. For the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, from time to time, probably like most of us, I've had some weird dreams. 
But when I wake up, it doesn't cross my mind that anything I can recall from that dream has got much relation to reality. It was just a crazy mixed-up dream. But that's not Joseph's reaction when he wakes up. Matthew 1.24 says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded. He brought Mary home to be his wife. You see, Joseph was living so closely to God that he knew instantly God had spoken to him through this dream. He didn't need a long explanation. He didn't require a theological dissertation about the whys and the wherefores of the incarnation. God's message through the dream had been brief and to the point, and it was all that Joseph needed to hear in order to know exactly what to do. I think the reason that some of us miss out on being used by God is because we always expect God to fully explain everything to us. And we're not willing to accept what he wants, and we're not willing to obey him until we've worked it all out in our own mind. But God isn't looking for men and women who will only trust him when they fully understand what he's doing. He's looking for those who will obey him and trust him even when they don't understand and who gladly obey him come what may. We mustn't overlook the significant role this man Joseph played in the Christmas event that we are celebrating. A man whose life was righteous, godly and holy, a man whose hopes had been dashed, heartbroken. But a man whose trust in God and obedience to God's will was proved. He did what the angel commanded him. So Joseph was an excellent choice. And God's looking for Josephs in our world today people he can use in some special way to fulfill a special purpose. And as we think of Joseph and how God could use him, may you and I be the kind of people God can use, people who are holy, righteous, people who have a good character before the world around people whose lives are morally pure, people who are trusting in God's perfect wisdom, and people who will be obedient to God's perfect will. And if we are people like that, then God can take us and use us in ways we could never imagine. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Joseph. Thank you for the important spiritual lessons that he teaches us. Help us to be like him. Help us to be people you can use in your great purpose of reaching the world for Jesus Christ.
We ask it in your precious name. Amen.